Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Detroiter covering sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State. I'm your host, Dick Bradley. We're presented by The Second String today. All your vintage sportswear, streetwear, apparel needs inspired by the city of Detroit. A little something for everyone. If you're a state fan, you're a Michigan fan, you're a Detroit sports fan, there's more than something for you, pal. There's a whole lot. There's a treasure trove, a pirate's booty of streetwear and sportswear you got to check out. If you don't give a fuck about sports, there's cool stuff too. I'm wearing a Detroit, it's like a little Detroit script crew neck, wore it out to the bar Saturday, got plenty of compliments, guys. People really love this stuff. (laughs) Go check it out, thesecondstring.com. Great weekend in the state of Michigan. Great fucking weekend. To be honest with you, one of the most serene weekends we've had as far as positivity, as far as victory. I I watched... uh, the first half of apocalypse now yesterday long fucking movie by the way and i was gassed i'm gonna finish it tonight but anyways i watched the first half and they have that scene where robert duvall's like i love the smell of napalm in the morning smells like victory that's how this weekend was this weekend smells like victory it was beautiful the lions don't lose if you can believe that that's usually the wild card as, as positive as it can get for Detroit, usually the Lions are there to be like, well, slow your roll there, buddy. Not too far. Red Wings win an absolute thriller against Montreal on Saturday. Pistons on the back of their rookie, on the back of the future, on the back of the face. Cade Cunningham ices the Raptors in Toronto. I think that was Saturday as well. May have been Friday. Sick final two minutes from Cade. I didn't watch that game because I think the Red Wings were on. That's why it's, I mean, come on now. But I saw the highlights afterwards. I saw the final two minutes. I saw Twitter blowing up like Cade is that guy. Cade is that MF guy. Those last couple buckets he got on one of the best defenders in the NBA, mind you, OG Ananobi. This kid's 19. This kid's a 19-year-old. His ankle was fucked up like a week ago. He's getting buckets, crunch time, clutch up buckets against one of the best defenders in the NBA in a hostile environment. Listen to the crowd that they were enduring in Toronto Saturday. That place was buzzing. I would have guessed if you just played like I was I blindfolded, couldn't see, didn't know, and you played that crowd, I'd be like, damn, the Pistons are in a playoff game. It was fucking electric. The crowd wanted it. The Raptors are a good team. Cade Cunningham, 19 years old. What? How many games has he played now? Like five, six? clutch up back-to-back baskets just deciding baskets like that's when you know you're elite I I talked about this and I've used this kind of not an analogy but to describe Michigan State and the direction of the football program you know you're elite not when oh something happens to you but when you decide you're going to make something happen like those last two buckets from Cade Cunningham are nothing more. There's no crazy play design. There's no fluke shot. They didn't break down defensively and leave him open. That last two minutes from Cade, those ice buckets, burying the Raptors, finishing the game, good night Toronto. That's nothing more than Cade Cunningham saying, okay, it's time to bury these guys. I'm the best player on the team. Give me the ball and I'm going to decide to score. I'm going to score. That's it. There's no, that's it. I'm going to score. And he took OG Ananobi off the bounce twice, not once, back-to-back possessions when the Raptors needed a stop, had to have a stop. The crowd, defense, fucking loud. 
Cade Cunningham, the little he went left, he went right, he went back left, lays it off the glass with his left hand. That was a beauty to watch. I wish I had watched the entire game. I read he actually didn't play great, but I don't even care. I wish I had watched the entire game. That's what you're looking for. That's what we need. We don't need, we're not expected, you know, we're not going to win 40, 50 games. What I do want to see, what is going to juice me up, what is going to make me feel good is when Cade Cunningham, the prodigal son, clutches up in the final two minutes and buries a good basketball team, and he's not getting defended by fucking Mason Plumley. He's got OG Ananobi putting the locks on him, and it still doesn't matter. Cade still says, ooh, not going to be good enough, pal. That was an electric thing to see. That was an electric thing to see. I'll tell you this, too. I'll tell you this, too. From a fan's just psychological perspective, as a guy, I've said a million times, of the four Detroit teams, the Pistons are the one that I'm kind of like, whatever. That made me want to watch the Pistons. I didn't watch them this weekend. I saw the Cade Cunningham ice time last couple minutes, and the first thing I did was go to my phone, when do the Pistons play again, because I want to watch them. I watched them against Houston. The I think that was their game before that. Good game. Cade versus Jalen was fun to watch. Obviously, Jalen yelling at him. And then the Cade, the Cade post game saying it doesn't hold any weight. Fucking legendary. Cade is Cade's actually the GOAT, dude. Cade could average, I mean, it it wouldn't end well, but Cade could average like 10 points a year for his entire career. And I'd be like, dude, this I still fucking love this guy. He's just so cool. He's the definition of cool. And I don't mean, well. I do mean he's cool in every way. He is like sweet. He's badass. I'm like, damn, that's awesome. But he's cool in the literal definition where it's this guy never once has experienced pressure. This guy never once has gotten angry. In any other situation, a 19-year-old kid, the number two pick who's been running his mouth all offseason, he dunks, he tries, but and it was a closeout. Kate's sprinting out there. He goes by him. It's not like he just took him ISO. He dunks, he yells at Cade. Cade's team ends up winning the game. Cade was the number one pick. Do you know how many people at least very much so would want to be like that fucking clown Jalen Green? Just roast them after that? Do you know? I don't even know. I'm shocked Cade. I'm shocked Cade, as good of a guy as he is, wasn't like, ha, 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 yeah, we got the win so he can talk. What I, He didn't even reference Green. He was just like, yeah, it doesn't. Like, I'll talk shit, but. Um, it has to like mean something to me. Yeah, whatever he said didn't matter. He is literally, that's the coolest thing I've heard in my entire life. He is essentially saying Jalen Green, as much as Jalen Green wants to believe he should have been the number one pick and he's the great, greatest rookie and he's this much relevant, as much as Jalen Green wants to believe all that shit and try to stir up drama and insert himself into a position like that, Cade Cunningham is saying, yeah, he's a little chihuahua. He's just nagging at my pant leg, but I know he's a dog. I know he doesn't know any better. I know he's a tiny little attention-seeking whore. He doesn't know any better. It's fine. It doesn't matter to me. Him barking, that doesn't matter to me. Wolves don't don't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. That's exactly what Cade Cunningham said. How many 19-year-olds go into that presser and answer that question and don't shit-talk the other guy? Don't say, yeah, 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 he can – Cade just doesn't even, he's like, yeah, it doesn't hold water. That's the, the ultimate, the ultimate shit talk is not responding, not saying scoreboard, nothing like that. It's, oh, oh, I didn't even, was he talking shit? Oh, I didn't even notice him. When he speaks, I don't listen. Fucking boom, roasted. 
it doesn't get better than that. He he's incredible, dude. Everything like the way he speaks, the way he carries himself. Again, he's only been here for like two weeks, so subject to change. But so far, everything about him, basketball aside, like I'm not even saying <clears throat> on the floor, just the way he carries himself, the his representation. He's 19, dude. He's 19 and he talks like Kobe when he was like 33. He talks like veteran Kobe, RIP. And this kid's 19. It's fucking incredible. Like some of the things he says too, not only do I like them, not only are they enjoyable, but I'm like, what? What? This guy, how is he like at this level? I'm 24 and half the shit in that press conference. I would have been like, yeah, fuck Jalen Green. Maybe not to that extent, but I would have talked some shit. Cade's 19. He's five years younger than me. And he's like, yeah, it's whatever, dude. Like he's, that kid's a fucking mosquito. I'm not even, I don't even notice his ass. It's incredible. And then you go into Toronto, hostile environment, a good team, Toronto. And then the Pistons, again, you know, they beat Houston, but Houston sucks too. Pistons, not a great team so far this year. You go into Toronto and your rookie, your new kid, the face of the franchise, he's going to ice them out with the last two minutes, just back-to-back ISO buckets on a great defender. That's fucking different, bro. That is different. Like, Killian Hayes, all due respect. I love Killian. I hate when people shit-talk him, even though he's only played like 30 games or whatever it is. Killian Hayes, like, he's not being called on. Yeah, he wasn't the 1-1 pick. He was seventh overall. Killian Hayes isn't being called on. Hey, go ISO on OG Ananobi and win this game for us. He's not – that's not even a thought in Dwayne Casey's brain. Cade Cunningham, yeah. The new kid, yeah. Fifth game in the league, yeah. Go at OG, win this game for us. Special, dude. Special. Fucking encouraging sign. As depressing as the season's been so far for the Pistons, as depressing as the sophomore class has kind of been, although Killian's starting to turn it around, that will give you life. That is like, like I said, not a huge Pistons guy. Like I'm not living and dying with the Pistons, right? I've watched the worst Red Wing season. I watched that historic bad season. I was living and dying with the Red Wings games that year. I've been through it. I can do it with bad teams, right? I've watched Michigan State a couple of these terrible years. I can do it with bad teams. But but when when your guy, when the future, when the guy we've been told and we're convincing ourselves, like, trust me, this kid's different. He's the one that's going to change things. It's fucking Timothy Chalamet. He's the Messiah. He's Chalamet and Dune. He walks by and every we're all outside in the sandstorm like, oh, whatever they say to Chalamet, whatever they chant at him. That's Kate. When you've told something's real, when you told he's the Messiah, and then you see it happen, and you see it happen again. I can't like I can't iterate it enough. 19 years old against one of the best defenders in the NBA. It gets you excited. It gets a guy like me who traditionally isn't huge on the Pistons. It gets me going like, damn, when do they play next? Because I got to anytime this kid's on the floor, I got to watch him. I know they might only win 20, 30 games this year. If Cade Cunningham's in the lineup, I got to watch the Pistons. That's that's the way it is. That's the way I want it to be. And that's the way it's becoming. And I couldn't love it anymore. Um, okay. Great weekend for the Stones. Well, we're going to get to everybody today. Long episode upcoming. A lot of good shit happened in Detroit. Like I said, the Red Wings got that dub against Montreal. I fucking love Dylan Larkin. I just want to talk about, I don't want to spend a ton of time on the Wings because I feel like I talk about them a lot (laughs) behind MSU and the Lions. They're my next, like, that's it. That's who I want to talk about. But I want to talk about Dylan Larkin specifically, the goals he scored, 
LCA was buzzing. Larkin's attitude this year, I, I've probably done a little bit on it at some point, but I want to do some Larkin stuff. And then I want to talk some Lions. Good vibes, positive shit happened. You know, they didn't lose. That's great. We got to talk about Jared Goff. We got to talk about Jared Goff. I'm sorry. I don't want to rain on the parade. Like, it's fun. Yesterday was positive vibes only. I made the video. Lions tie, Lions tie, Lions tie. It was great. Anybody who brought the negativity yesterday, uh uh-uh, positive vibes only. But today, we got to talk. We got to talk. What You watched that game last night or yesterday. I don't know why I said last night. You watched that game. I know Mason Rudolph started, but it's Pittsburgh Steelers. We're on the road, Heinz Field. If you have a 20% competent QB, the Lions win that game in regulation. I, we've seen David Blau. We've seen him. We've seen him last year when Stafford was out. He was all right. I'm not fucking saying this kid's Josh Allen. He can make some throws. He's not afraid to make throws. He has made throws, right? He's frisky, dude. He's Yeah, he'll make some mistakes. He'll fuck up. But guess what? Jared Goff nearly always makes mistakes. It's, we're at the point, what, is it going to get worse? What's going to happen if David Blau, he plays three games and he's bad? It, what? We still don't win any games? What the hell are you waiting for? I saw Blau last year. He was entertaining. At the very least, he was entertaining. He pushes it down the field. He can make throws. He's kind of frisky too athletically. He's quicker. He's way more agile than Goff. A fucking scarecrow is more agile than Jared Goff. It's time. Great job not losing. <laughs> a tie may as well be a Super Bowl victory at this point. Great job not losing, but let's let's move on. Let's fucking – we've seen the Jared Goff experiment. Nice guy, I'm sure, right? Seems like a good leader. Seems like he's here for the right reasons, just wants to win. He's not blind, dude. These are grown men playing football at the highest level. At, in the high school level, you can tell when guys aren't getting it done. Jared Goff, when he misses a wide-open Khalif Raymond – by a 20-yard underthrow. Jared Goff knows that's not getting it done. When he nearly throws five interceptions throughout the course of the game, he knows that's not getting it done. These guys have been around the NFL for the last few years. They know what NFL throws and NFL talent look like. They play against NFL quarterbacks every week. It's not like you're going to surprise them. It's not like you're sneaking up on them. It's not like Dan Campbell now, what, 10 games in, nine games in, going to Jared Goff and saying, hey, man, Look, it's not working. Obviously, we're going to just try something else because why not? You having that conversation, Jared Goff's not going to be like, what? Me? He knows what's happening. He's going to say, yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably what you should do. He's already made his money. He's got his contract. He's going to be a lot less hurt than you think he is, right? He probably also, to some extent, doesn't love going out there getting steamrolled and playing like garbage and getting shit-talked by Detroit media every week. He probably doesn't love that either. He wouldn't hate a little bit of the pressure off him. He wouldn't um, – he's probably got an attitude, all right, yeah, put Blau in there, see what he does. It's time. It's time. Great job not losing. He's not the answer. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to fucking still lose? Make the switch. Let's see David Blau. And then last but not least – Michigan State football, big win at Maryland. Michigan football, big, big, or against Maryland, big win for Michigan at Penn State. Huge, huge for the Harbaugh era. We're getting down to fucking crunch time now. Game of the week. Game of the week. College game days going back to Ohio State. Hey, remember all you clowns who told me Michigan State only gets game day when they play Michigan? Fucking morons. Second time this year 
Michigan State will be on game day to Michigan's one. Or no, they may have been there for Washington. Either way. Second time MSU's on game day this year. Another top 10 matchup. Another game of the year. Another game, at least as far as Michigan State goes, this game probably determines the Big Ten for them, right? You lose this game. That's why you had to beat Purdue. That is the one thing. But even then, Ohio State hasn't lost in the Big Ten, so it probably doesn't matter. This is the game you have to win this year, though. If you lose this game, Big Ten's out of the window, college football playoff out of the window. It's a must win. It's a must win. Now, there's going to be the people, you know, which I get. I get the people that say, oh, come on. This team was supposed to win four games this year. They're way overachieving. Don't be too harsh. For sure. But we're here now. Like, I don't give a fuck what we were projected to win in, in August. That doesn't mean anything to me. We're here. We're 9-1. and one. We're two weeks away from winning the Big Ten title or going to the Big Ten championship game. I I don't really care. I'm sorry. I don't really care what they were projected to win in August. I want to win now. You have to win this game. You want to win the Big Ten, you have to win this game. And it's going to take fucking everything and then some. We'll probably save – we'll save getting into it for Thursday. We'll talk more about Maryland today and then Michigan-Penn State. That was looking like another Harbaugh game. That looked like another game that Jim Harbaugh has lost throughout his entire career, a game where – it's like they you watch that game. It's like Penn State fucking blows. Michigan should win this game. Michigan should win this game. Michigan keeps keeping Penn State in the game. They're turning it over. They're hanging, letting them hang, letting them hang. Penn State scores. They get the two-point conversion on the exact same play MSU ran to Jaden Reed. It felt, and then Michigan or uh Penn State takes the lead. It felt like Penn State was going to sneak one out, and it felt like another Jim Harbaugh loss, another choke job, another loss where everybody was going to be calling for his head, where Michigan got right to the doorstep. They knocked on the door, and then, oops, there it goes. Huge win, though. Credit to Harbaugh. Credit to Michigan. Credit to Hassan Haskins. That guy's a fucking tank. Credit to that defense. Credit to Cade McNamara. Cade Cunningham. It was a hell of a game. It was a hell of a game. Happy Valley's electric. I need to go to a game there. Um, Michigan prevailed. The chips got down. Look at they had the momentum. They lost the momentum, and they still found a way. Michigan's in the same boat as Michigan State. You can't lose that game. If Michigan wants to win the Big Ten, they want to go to the playoff, whatever their dreams are, you lose that game at Penn State, forget about it. You lose that game at Penn State. Now you have two losses and Michigan State has the tiebreaker, and you still haven't played Ohio State, who, by the way, looks like they could score on the 85 Bears every single time they got the ball. You can't lose that game, and Michigan didn't. So that was a huge win. Um, All right, that's what we got on the schedule today. We did the Pistons. We'll take a quick break. We'll start it off. We'll do a little bit of Red Wings, and then we'll do some Lions. We'll take another break, and then we'll do the Colleges. What a game it was against Montreal Saturday. LCA was buzzing. I'll tell you, that crowd, that arena starting to feel a little different. Starting to feel a little different. You can even tell on TV. It feels like there's more energy. Now, I haven't looked at the numbers. I don't know what the average attendance was before COVID, 2019, 2018. I don't know how many people were going to games those years. I don't know if more people are even going now. I, it, I, the crowds look pretty good. That Saturday night crowd, LCA looked very crowded, very packed. Granted, it was a Saturday night game. Red Wings have been winning original six. A lot of good factors going into that being a good crowd. 
But even on the Tuesday nights, the Wednesdays, the Thursday nights, it feels like there's a pretty big crowd. It feels like a pretty energetic place to play hockey, which it fucking should be, dude. We're hockey town. We're the Detroit Red Wings. But I'm not I'm not sure. I can't really tell if it's oh yeah, we're getting five thousand more people in there every night. Or to me, I think the crowd just feels more excited. I think though the crowds going to these games now are just ready to cheer. They want a chant, let's go Red Wings five times a period. They want a goal. They want to stand up. They want to be loud. They want to get active. It feels it feels almost like the fans that are going now, and I'm sure, you know, it's probably the same people that were going in 2018, but the the crowd, the people at these games, it feels like they're going there with the mindset, not of, oh, we're all right, yeah, it's fucking Thursday night, let's go watch the Red Wings, whatever. I'm sh- Yeah, obviously, but it feels like they're going, like the crowds now have more of a mission. It feels like crowds are getting there like, whoo, like we're, let's go. We're at a Red Wings game. We're going to the Wings game tonight. It's Thursday. We're going to get rowdy. We're going to give these guys a place to play. Let's have a fucking time. Let's make this place a little lively. It's almost like the crowd has a mission to be a great crowd. They don't want to just watch the Red Wings and cheer on their team. They want to go be a great crowd, hockey game aside. And you can feel that. You can feel that. Obviously, the crowd's going to get up when you score, when you score an OT winner, right? Throughout the game, there's let's go Red Wings. Every time a scrum breaks out, they're getting up. Oh, anytime a a shot comes near. These crowds just feel more electric. And again, it could just be more people, which would obviously do it. But I I genuinely think the people at the games, the mindset of the Red Wings, and it's probably because, you know, they're winning. They look pretty fucking good. Whatever you want to say about the Wings, whatever you want to say, oh, they're overachieving, they'll come down to earth, oh, they shouldn't be this good, whatever you want to fucking say, I don't care, to be quite frank. They're good. They have Larkin, they have Bertuzzi, they have their full lineup. They're a good team. They can beat anybody in the league. They beat Edmonton 4-2. They're a good team with the full lineup. They can score goals. They defend. The goaltending's been unbelievable from Ned and Grace both. They've been awesome. It's been a pleasure to watch, to be honest with you. It's been fucking great to watch. And they're good. And I think the people, Detroit, the city that's, you know, the city of losers since 2014. It is hockey town. People love hockey here. People love the Red Wings. People love winners. People love having shit to root for. People want to get on, you know, who knows? Maybe this season doesn't end the way it's starting. As long as the Red Wings are winning right now, they're not. They're exciting. They've got fun players, right? They're scrappy. Larkin and Bertuzzi, which is why I want to talk about the captain. They're taking no shit from anybody. It's a fun time. It is a fun experience watching the Detroit Red Wings right now. I think people just want to take advantage, right? You know, they want to take advantage of the Pistons and Cade, but it's like, damn, it's tough when you still just fucking lose every night. The Red Wings are winning games. The Red Wings are in games. You're going to the rink every night with the mindset, Red Wings are going to win tonight. We got a good fucking squad this year. It's awesome to see. It's awesome to see even more so. It'd be awesome for any sport. Like, it'd be cool for the Pistons to have a sick crowd. Basketball crowds are fun. Like I mentioned, that Toronto crowd this weekend, place was fucking electric. It'd be sick for a Pistons crowd to be like that. But I'm I'm so far removed from that being the norm with the Pistons that it almost doesn't matter to me. Where the Red Wings, 
I grew up with the Joe Lewis arena being sold out every single night for seven calendar years in a row. Right. I grew up. I don't care if it was Monday, Tuesday, three feet of snow on the ground. Doesn't matter. I grew up with Joe Lewis arena being rocking every single time the Red Wings played there. It feels like the Red Wings, they deserve a crowd. Not on, like not even, yes, they're winning. That's great. But like, it's the Detroit Red Wings. It's hockey town. The place that they play hockey, I don't give a fuck if they played at the rink in Campus Martius. Wherever they play hockey, it should be an electric factory every single night. It's hockey town. They That's just, it, it goes hand in hand in my mind. So it's been brilliant to see it come to fruition. And people fucking embrace it, dude. I, I talked about this too with the Tigers. Like when you've been bad for a while, you start to lose people. People don't care anymore. They don't follow. They don't pay. They don't buy the merch. They don't go to the games. You lose people. Red Wings have been pretty fucking bad for a while now. Not as, I mean, right. Bad as time is relative as far as Detroit's concerned, <laughs> but they've been pretty fucking bad for like five, six years. I kind of got me worried that where it's like, damn dude, like we were hockey town when we made the playoffs 25 years in a row. Are we like, are we still going to, is that us still? Like we're still that, right? It warms my heart. It makes me feel good. It's reassuring to see them like, oh yeah. Like fans like, oh yeah. You give us a 500 team. Yeah, we're fucking, we're hockey town. Like we'll let you know you're in Detroit when you play here. And it's awesome. I need to talk about D-Boss, Dylan Larkin. Obviously scored a pair to beat Montreal, both from fucking ridiculous angles. That first goal he scored, I don't even... I don't even know, like, what's up? I don't even know how that puck went in. I still don't know. I've watched the replay 20 times. I don't, what's up? That puck actually, you know how you play can jam? That puck went through a puck-sized can jam slot over the goalie's shoulder. Nip of the year from Dylan Larkin. And then in overtime, Raymond misses the net, falls right back to Larkin, banks it off the goalie for the OT winner, and LCA explodes. He's awesome, man. He's fucking awesome. He is quite literal. There were people I remember who didn't want him to be named captain for whatever reason, whether they didn't think he was the one C, whether they're biased against him because, I don't know, they think he looks like a frat dude or they're jealous because he's 25 years old, the captain of the Red Wings in the city he grew up in, whatever the reason. I, there were people that didn't want him to be the captain. I legitimately – could not think of a guy I would rather have be the captain. Obvious on the Red Wings in the NHL, like I'd like to have Connor McDavid on my team. I like Dylan Larkin as the captain, though. Drinking coffee here, folks. Doing this Monday morning. Beautiful day, by the way, in Detroit. Beautiful day. I. He's incredible. Yes, he's talented. Right. He he pushes the offense. That first line. They've been awesome all year. He's a huge fucking part of that, obviously. We've even seen the games he sat out. Wasn't great. You realize, you notice in a big way, oh, Dylan Larkin's not playing tonight. So that's why we haven't even come close to scoring a goal, right? The power play relies on him. Not only does he lead the offense, he plays defense, dude. He back checks. He sets the tone. Leading by example, corny, obvious shit I'm talking about here. 
but like it's so true and it gets my rocks off man it gets my rocks off man seeing your guy your captain hustle back 200 feet and make a defensive play that rubs off lucas raymond's a fucking teenager he sees that and he's like oh the captain's doing that okay that's what i do then like that that happens that happens dylan larkin is gonna tell him jeff blashell is gonna tell him hey lucas Hustle back on defense every shift. Like, you never know, right? Always try to make plays defensively. That doesn't mean as much as Lucas Raymond watching Dylan Larkin do it. And then he thinks to himself, whoa, that's how Larkin plays. That's the engine on our captain. I want to be like him. I'm going to make plays like that. I'm going to hustle back on defense. His grittiness. This is this has been the biggest development. We've known Larkin has had the skill offensively. I think the biggest knock on him has been the, oh, he's not a big enough producer to be a first center. He's got 14 and 15 this year. I know there's guys like, yeah, you'd like to have a 100-point player as your first-line center. I mean, yeah, you'd like to have Connor McDavid for sure. Like, no fucking doubt about it. Point of game, we'll take that. I don't need you to be 100 points. 82 and 82, Dylan, that'll do. I think he's got 14 and 15 right now. That will absolutely do. And then you incorporate the fact he's a great two-way player. He's a great leader. He takes no shit. The offense has been better. And another thing, defenders, myself as well, when he plays with his guys, when he plays with skilled guys, how many times over the last few years has Bertuzzi been out all of last year? Mantha's been out. How many times has Dylan Larkin been playing with plug players, right? Or guys where it's like, oh, someone's out. You know, you get to play with Larkin tonight. How many times has he just been mixed and matched with guys? That, I think, maybe more than than any other sport, who you play with matters in hockey. This year, every time he's played, he's playing with Bertuzzi and Raymond. They're one of the best lines in the NHL. He's a point-of-game player. Or, uh, Raymond, I think, is close to point-of-game. Bertuzzi's got to be close to point-of-game. Yeah, no shit that's happening, right? No shit that that's happening. You get him with talent. You get him some consistency. They build a little chemistry. Oh, wow. That's fucking crazy. All of a sudden, he's a point-of-game player. Wow, dude. That's nuts how that works. I think that's always been the case. We've known he's had the skill, the playmaking, the shot, the ability to score even from the craziest of angles. We've known he's the 200-foot guy. He plays good defense. Now he's had some consistency. Now we have some talent to go with him, right? You can't win in any sport. You could be the most talented guy on earth. You can't win in any sport unless you got a little bit of help. Bertuzzi and Raymond, as long as Larkin's got them, they're going to fucking produce. He can be a one center with them. And then you incorporate it. And this has been the new thing. I've known Dylan Larkin can play offense. His grittiness this season, his just refusal to take shit from anybody has been my favorite part to watch. It's been my favorite thing about his game between him and Bertuzzi and Ronick and all these guys. I think it's been my favorite part about the Red Wings this year. I I mean, I love that they win now. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. I also love that they score goals, makes games way more fun. But I love, just from a team and competitive standpoint, I love that they're like, I don't know what, if they fucking Steve Eiserman told them. I love that they've seemed to come to the terms like, okay, Hope you guys had your fun. That shit's over with. Like, you don't get to just mess with the Detroit Red Wings anymore. Hope you had fun. Yeah, hope it was good. Fucking, it's over, though. It's done now. 
it that doesn't happen. You you punch one of us, hit us in the back, you board us, you make a sneaky play. We're gonna get in your fucking face and let you know that you don't do that shit. And Dylan Larkin has been leader of that pact, leader number one goon for the Detroit Red Wings, the captain, the skill guy, the guy who churns the offense. Whether it was his neck, the injury that came to him last year, because, you know, he's talked about how upset he got over, he felt like he took a cheap shot and he got nervous. He thought, maybe I won't play hockey anymore. I'm sure that has something to do with it. But he's come out this year like, fuck that. That does not happen. That will not happen anymore. And it is gassing me up. The captain, another thing. The captain, a guy who's one of the top skill players, the playmaker, the skilled guy who traditionally like, oh, he's not going to fight and get in your face. He doesn't want to get hurt. He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck. And it's been the best part to watch. Watching the captain be the guy to be like, you know what? I know we've kind of been a ragdoll since I've been here. I'm tired of that shit. And it starts and it stops with me. It's almost to the point where Larkin's like, I don't care if some of these other guys don't want to get physical and get in your face. I'll go alone, dude. Like, I'm fed up. Bertuzzi's another guy who's great. He'll get in your fucking face. Those two have been awesome. But it's been the greatest part of this season, the attitude shift. And it starts with Dylan Larkin, and it's the guy you need it to start with. If you're going to truly implement a culture change and an attitude shift, the guys like the fucking captain of the team, they got to be the ones leading the charge. And he has, and he has, and he gets in anybody's face at any time. You touch him, you slew foot him, you touch his skate, you ran him into the goalie like Petrie did. You're going to fucking hear about it. You're going to fucking hear about it, I promise you. And that was something the Red Wings had not been doing because they were the losers because they didn't have a spine. They oh, yeah, beat up on our guys. Who cares? No, that shit's over with. I love Dylan Larkin. I love that he's the captain. He's the perfect guy. It's fucking wild to think he's been in the league, what, like six or seven years, and he's still like 25. <laughs> it's fucking wild. He's awesome, dude. He's awesome as a player. I, his mentality, the attitude shift that he's bringing is so overdue, and it's so refreshing. And then, oh, he's a hometown kid. D boss, like, how could you not love the guy? I love Dylan Larkin. I fucking love the Red Wings, bro. The Red Wings winning makes my life so much better, especially in the winter time. Like, we're done. There's no more. All right, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll go outside and do something. That doesn't, no, that's it. That's over with. Now I go, I watch sports. That's what we do in the winter in Michigan. We watch sports, and it's way more fun when your team's competitive and wins. Thank you, Red Wings. Shout out Dylan Larkin. Great weekend. Got another one tonight against Columbus, I believe. Um, so hopefully they win that one. We got some more positive stuff to talk about next week. All right. Um, another quick break. I'm not going to run an ad, though. Don't worry. Don't worry. Another quick break. Do some Lions. All right. Detroit Lions time. Huge fucking tie yesterday. The game of the year was played in Pittsburgh. They didn't lose. They didn't lose. That's a start, baby. We're clawing back. You got to learn to crawl. Then you learn to walk. Then you learn to run. Then you learn to do the 400-meter hurdle sprint and win the gold medal at Sochi or Qatar, wherever the next Olympics is. We're on track. We're on track. It starts with a tie. Browns this week, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, kind of one of the – he's like a sailor. 
He's leaning over the edge. He's green to the gills. He looks like he's going to throw up everywhere. He's kind of leaning that way. Get the man some Dramamine. He needs it. Hopefully not in time for the game Sunday. Lions tie. It was good to see the Lions not lose. Can we say that? I know we're kind of, you know, doesn't matter that they tied. Who gives a fuck? This team's still terrible. Season means nothing. But it's fun to not lose. I've always said it's fun to win. It's fun to win. I like watching my teams win, even in years like this, where obviously it's better for the Lions to lose all the games, get the first pick, add a franchise-changing player. That's going to happen no matter what we root for. But I just, I always have a hard time watching my teams, watching the Lions and sitting there like, yeah, interception, Jared Goff. Yeah, let's lose. Yeah, I can't, I just can't get in that mindset. I'd rather not watch the game. Like if I was forced to root against the Lions, I'd rather just not watch. I don't understand that. I get, obviously I get the big picture, get the better draft pick. As a fan of sports, as a person who played sports, as a fan of winning and the fucking reason you play sports, it's, I don't, I, I physically can't, I don't know, genetics, whatever, my brain, my heart, I physically can't watch the Lions and sit there going, yeah, let's lose. It's better if we lose. I can't. I know it's better. I just can't do it. It's not, it's physically not possible. I don't know what to tell you. It was fun to see them not lose. Can we say that? And everyone's saying, uh, even though that game was a fucking circus, everyone's saying the worst game they've ever seen. I can't believe they just watched that game. I mean, Pittsburgh was doing no favors to improve the quality of that game. They were, they were terrible. Mason Rudolph is fucking bad, but it was fun to not lose. It was fun to not lose. And even though the quality of play was terrible, the quarterback play, the turnovers, it legitimately felt like a game where both teams were doing everything in their power to lose, like everything in their power. They Nobody wanted to win. The Lions didn't want to win. Pittsburgh didn't want to win even more. I mean, if you're Pittsburgh, you, they're in a playoff race. Every win counts. You got to beat the Detroit Lions. No Big Ben, it doesn't matter. You have to beat the Detroit Lions. And they looked like they were going for the first overall draft pick. It was fucking pathetic. That said, I had a great time. I thought that was one of, especially the Lions, that was one of the most fun games I've watched all season. I mean, it was fucking chaos. From the fourth quarter and into overtime, it was absolute chaos. Every play was something crazier happened than the last. Every time it looked like, holy shit, this is Detroit's chance, or Pittsburgh's got it back, this is their chance. Turnover, another a sack, anything. It was crazy. I had a great time. I'm happy that was the game. I'm happy it was the worst quality of play we've ever seen because it made for the most entertaining game I've ever seen. Certainly the most entertaining Detroit Lions game this year. I mean, that's the least we can ask for. If you're going to lose, if you're going to tie, if you're going to be pathetic and give me no reason, at least make it interesting. They made it very interesting. I couldn't. You couldn't take your eyes off the game. If you take your eyes off, you're going to miss a fumble and then an interception on the next play. If you blink. You're missing two turnovers minimum. It was awesome. Glad they won. I mean, not won. I feel like a win, though. It feels like we won the fucking Super Bowl, to be honest with you. I'm glad they didn't lose. <laughs> I'm glad there's a half positive mojo. There's some kind of non-negative momentum now. I'm happy for Dan Campbell. He They've deserved to win a couple games now. They're the Lions. We know how those games went. I'm happy for MCDC. I like MCDC. He seems passionate. He see, I still am convinced he's the guy. I believe in him. Give him time. This shit, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. What Mel Tucker's doing at Michigan State, guys, 
that's not the norm. That's Mel Tucker. We got to give him time. We got to be patient. Happy for him that they didn't lose. Would be a lot happier if they won. Who knows? The Browns kind of struggling. The Bears on Thanksgiving. Maybe in the next two weeks, I feel like that's probably your best bet to win one of these games. We'll see. I wouldn't count on it. I certainly will not be counting on it. But you never know. We got a little bit of – there's probably some positive feeling in the football building today. First time they've had positive feeling since week one. But there is an issue. There is an issue. Good times. I like Dan, but there's an issue. Jared Goff, it's time to move on. It's time to move on from Jared Goff. I know he's making a bunch of money. I know he was part of the Stafford trading piece. With like the politics of football and like, oh, they traded for Goff. I don't know if for some reason since they acquired him. Like I don't think in that trade Detroit's necessarily – saying, yeah, we got to get Jared Goff back. I think it's the Rams saying, hey, if you want these multiple first-round picks, you got to take this guy off our hands. That's probably more the way it went. I think Detroit, the coaching staff, the front office, in the offseason especially, tried to frame it more like, oh, we we got like we, we got a guy. We got Jared Goff. We like this guy. We think he'll be able to do some good stuff. They're not going to come out and say, yeah, well, the Rams fucking forced us to take him, so here we are. They're not going to say that, but it's time. I know you traded for him. I don't know like what po- politics goes into that since you did trade for him and you kind of had his back. It's so evident, though, he cannot get the job done. He just isn't good. He just isn't good. I don't want to turn this into just ripping on golf. Like, again, he seems like a nice guy. He does a lot of good things. He seems like a good leader, right? He seems like a team player. He just wants to win. These guys aren't stupid. Like, he feels the pressure. He feels it. He knows that he's an NFL quarterback, and what he's doing is not up to the standard of what an NFL quarterback should be able to do. These guys aren't idiots. This dude's been playing football his fucking entire life. He played at the college level. He's been at the pro level for a few years. He understands what NFL quarterbacking looks like. He plays against Aaron Rodgers. He plays against other guys that are NFL quarterbacks. He knows it's not up to snuff. Besides, even if in some world Jared Goff's sitting there like, man, I'm fucking sweet, you're 0-9-1. Right? That kind of – that's it. Like if you approach Jared Goff, you say, hey, Jared – Listen, man, we really appreciate all the hard work you're doing. I, I know you want to win. I know you're busting your ass, but we're 9 and one Like, we're going to make a switch and just see what fucking happens. It can't get worse. It literally cannot get worse. What's going to happen if you bench him and, and play Blau this week? You're going to lose again? Okay. You're going to lose again anyway. All you've done this year is lose, except for the tie. But it's not going to get worse. And Jared Goff understands. These aren't like 14-year-old kids. He's not going to throw a temper tantrum especially the personality of Goff. He does not seem like a guy that, oh, sorry, Jared, you're you're riding the pine this week. He doesn't seem like a guy that's going to take to social media and demand out of Detroit. He doesn't seem like a guy that's going to cause problems in the locker room. He seems like a guy that wants to win, and he's aware he hasn't gotten the job done yet. And even if it is not Jared Goff's fault, even if in his mind, oh, you could put anybody in there, they're not going to get the job done. Whatever he's thinking or whatever his mentality is towards the situation, why not try? What are you going to lose from making a switch? What are you going to lose? Nothing. You literally can't lose anything more than you already have. 
And we saw David Blau last year. He's not a world beater. This guy's not going to come out of nowhere and win the MVP. We're not going to win eight straight with David Blau. I'm not saying that. I don't think anybody is. But at some point, give the guy a chance. We saw him play last year. He's frisky. He likes to throw the ball down the field. He can make plays. He's not going to make all the plays. He's going to make mistakes. Guess what? Jared Goff makes all of the mistakes and doesn't make any plays. David Blau, he'll air it out. He, he'll go to the offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn, and say, you know, you don't have to just call one-yard passing plays anymore, coach. Like, I can throw the ball over five yards. We can go down the field a little bit. Let's try it out. We have TJ Hawkinson. If you want to call some TJ Hawkinson stuff, get him in mismatches, get him down the field, I'll throw that ball. I'll be happy to give him a chance. Let's fucking go a little bit. Let's get a little aggressive. Let's look like we have the passing game of an NFL team. They don't even look like they have the passing game of a college team. The way we throw the ball now, which granted, I actually think the quick pass game kind of worked there uh, yesterday against Pitt- Pittsburgh. I thought it was kind of nice. You got to be able to throw the ball down the field at some point. We're like a high school team or middle school team. Like my middle school team where, you know, the quarterback's kind of got a flimsy arm. We're not calling pass plays, like stopping the run at that level is hard enough. You throw the ball like five times a game. That's like the offense we run. That's that's where we're at right now is, yeah, we're, we're going to throw it over five yards maybe twice in a week. This is the NFL. You're the Detroit Lions. Odds are you're going to have to come from behind a good amount. Two-yard pass plays, screen after screen after screen, ain't going to get it done. Running it on third and 10 ain't going to get it done. It's time to switch to Blau. It is time. I liked him. I liked him last year. He was fun. Even though they lost those games, a lot of those games without Stafford last year when Blau was in there, he still made you believe he could win, right? He still made plays that, at the very least, you're like, oh, all right, this kid, you know, he's nothing special, but, like, he can do a little bit of stuff. He's frisky. That's all I asked for. I talked about this week why the game was fun to watch because shit happened. It's fun, even if the Lions lose, it's a lot more fun when they lose and shit's happening versus when they're just a flaccid donut and they lose. Give me David Blau. Let him, he makes that throw to Khalif Raymond. He can throw it down the field. He threw a few bombs last year. I just don't understand why Jared Goff, like if he starts this week at Cleveland, I don't get it. Why? What benefit does it serve anybody? the front office, the coaching staff, the team, Jared even, like what benefit does it serve anybody outside of the team you're playing that week to start Goff? To some extent, Jared Goff's in there like, yeah, you know what? Fucking give Blau a chance. I'm tired of getting bagged on. I'm tired of getting sacked. I'm tired of being dog shit. Like, give me a break. Like, give the guy a mental break, if anything. Football's a demoralizing sport. Football's a demoralize when you're bad, when your team loses a lot, when your personal performance is dog shit, that takes a toll on you. Like Jared Goff, he's not feeling good right now. I promise you, he didn't wake up today going, hell yeah, man. We tied yesterday. I had a great game. No, he probably woke up and was like, fuck, I used to be good at this. What's going on? It's time to make a switch. It's time to make a switch. I don't know why they stick with him. I don't understand it. Even the politics, like, I understand the first five, six, seven games. All right, you traded for golf. You know, you kind of defended him, said you think he can win, this and that, right? 
it didn't work. It's not fucking working. Nobody's going to crucify you for saying, hey, we're 10 games in. We still haven't won one. Not saying quarterback play is the only reason we haven't won. There are plenty. But quarterback play definitely, definitely can be improved. And the other thing is, like I said, I think Ga- or uh, Blau was pretty interesting last year. He made some plays. He, I do think, at this point, brings more to the table than Jared Goff. Even if David Blau had never taken a snap in the league, even if our backup was some no-name who's never done anything, give him a chance. Give the fucking guy a chance. Give him a chance. What? You can't lose anything. And the Lions have played hard for the most part this year. Lions play hard. played hard in Pittsburgh yesterday. Another game where things just kept going wrong and they could have mailed it in, but they didn't. Playing the backup, that gives guys more life. They go into the game like, all right, shit. This one, you know what's different about today's game versus the last 10? We got a different guy playing QB. We got a guy, who knows, maybe in practice, these guys, you know, maybe there's some murmur in the locker room like, dude, why are we, why is fucking Jared still starting, right? Like those those conversations, those thoughts, I promise you are starting to happen. You put a guy like Blau in, you put fucking anybody in. You put anybody new and give anybody a chance. The rest of the team will come out that week like, all right, let's fucking play for Blau. Let's give him a chance. We feel a little revitalized. We got a new guy leading the charge. We believe in him. He can make some throws. He's at least going to try to make some throws, which is shocking that that's a fucking upgrade. Just the fact that he's going to attempt to make throws in the NFL. That's embarrassing that that would be an upgrade, but it is. They're going to play harder. The coaching staff's going to coach harder. Blau's coming in with something to prove, right? He's not stale. He's not worn down from losing. David Blau's going to go in like, dude, let's win this fucking game. I haven't, like, yeah, we're 0-10. I haven't played a snap. Let's win the goddamn game. David Blau's got a little bit of athleticism. He's not Lamar Jackson. I promise you, I promise you he's more athletic than Jared Goff, right? He looks more alive than a scarecrow. Just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. That that was the biggest takeaway from yesterday's game. Like, even in yesterday's game, Lions, you're hanging in there. Very winnable game, right? They should have won, won it for a few different reasons. I'm surprised yesterday at halftime they weren't like, all right, Blau, you're getting the go. Like, we're in this game. Jared, sorry, dude. You're missing. Khalif Raymond's wide fucking open for a touchdown, and you're underthrowing him by 15 yards. Sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. Thank you for everything you've done this year. Thanks for the effort, the hard work. We're going to go with David for a bit, see what happens. I, 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 It's to the point where you can't even justify it. I love Dan Campbell. Like I said, I really do believe in him. I, I think he's, I don't know, it's tough to say he's done a good job this year because they stink, but they've been in competitive in some games they shouldn't have been. If you come out and start Jared Goff again this week, especially now that you have some momentum, another game that you could have fucking won, no position impacts a game in sports like the quarterback does in football. You've got a guy who I think will bring more to the table, and at the worst case, he's going to bring the same. Like It's not like Jared Goff's playing pretty well, but we think Blau can play really well. It's Jared Goff's playing very, very fucking poorly. Maybe Blau will just be kind of bad, which would be an upgrade, which you win the Pittsburgh game, which you probably win the Minnesota game. You probably win the Baltimore game. Some of these games, the Lions issue is way bigger than the quarterback position, but some of these games, you get an upgrade at the most important position. 
things probably fucking change. You probably got a one in the win column. I can't stand that they just keep trotting him out there. I can't stand they're throwing him to the wolves. I can't stand that the most obvious change to not only give yourself a better chance to win, but to inspire and give a little kick in the ass to the entire team and fucking organization. And how about the fan base? The easiest move, a glaring move, hasn't been made. It needs to be made this week. It needs to be made. I know Goff's coming off the tie. It's like he he's not it. He's not it. He brings nothing to the table. I'm sorry. Seems like a great guy. Like I've said, wears an incredible varsity jacket. He's not the guy. David Blau, he makes some interesting stuff. You know, he was fine at Purdue. He was pretty good last year. He made some throws downfield, right? He got Galladay some stats. Just anybody, dude, <laughs> fucking anybody, <laughs> call up Dan Orlovsky. See if he's tired of breaking down film. See if he wants to play a few more games. See if all that ESPN film breakdown, he thinks it'll translate to the field. Call up fucking anybody, dude. Terry Bradshaw may want to sling the pigskin a couple more times. It's not working with Goff. Give me David Blau this week. Great tie. Some positive momentum. Please make a change, dude. Please, please. There's no reason to keep Goff in there. All right. Let's do some college stuff. Michigan State. Beat Maryland Saturday. Big win. Great game. I know they won by 19. I know the offense kind of hummed along. That shit had me nervous. Uh, did not feel great for multiple times during that game. Talia, can we can we sack the guy when we when he get to him? I know he gifted us a couple massive, massive intentional groundings as well as a red zone interception that, you know, my grandkids will still be trying to figure out. He got away a lot. He made a lot of plays that if it's next week against Ohio State and you get to C.J. Stroud and you get your ankles broken into 5,000 pieces and you let him roll out and throw it downfield, I don't know if you're going to be able to overcome it against the Buckeyes. The defense stood up when they had to, I suppose. We'll do the positives. The defense stood up when they had to, I suppose. Right? Big-time red zone turnover. Although, like, I don't, was that the defense making a play? I mean, fucking Tagovailoa threw it straight to Noah Harvey. I don't know. There wasn't even a receiver there. I don't know what he was doing with that. They made that play, I guess. They held him to field goals. They held him on fourth down when they had to. They, they forced a couple intentional groundings, which were huge. They made some plays. They made enough plays, obviously. But it was it, it still was hairy. It, it was very hairy for a few times that game. Kenneth Walker, dude, absolute fucking beast. He didn't even have a great game. I was talking to some of my friends. He didn't even, like, he didn't have a great game. They were talking about during the game how he'd kind of been bottled up. He still finished with 150 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> Imagine that being your not a great game. Like, oh, Maryland did a pretty good job. They kind of bottled up the Heisman, 150 yards and two touchdowns. Yikes. That's a bad game. That's a that's a bottled up game. He's special. I mean, we've known that. He's an absolute savage. Peyton Thorne was fucking lights out, dude. Some of those throws, that Jaden Reed throw, the second touchdown, dime, absolute dime. He had a great game. We're going to need that Saturday. We're going to need that and more. Um, it was good to see them bounce back. I will say that. It, that's what I was looking for. Just find a way to win. 
find a way to win, find a way to not let that Purdue game affect you, right? New week, fresh slate. You're eight and one. You're still a damn good fucking team. Who cares? Purdue lost. You lost to Purdue. Who cares? That's over with. Nobody cares anymore. It was good to see them come out fresh slate and take care of business against the team they should beat, right? Like Maryland, obviously they're not Penn State. They're not Ohio State. They're an interesting squad. Tagovailoa is pretty good. He's a guy. He's got the athleticism. He's got the arm, and he's not afraid to try and make plays. He's a guy that elevates bad teams, right? Even at, like, Michigan, they have Maryland next week. If I'm Michigan, if you're already looking ahead to Ohio State, I wouldn't be so sure. Talia is a guy that can come in and at least make a game closer than it should be purely by his play purely by him avoiding a sack and throwing it downfield, purely by his willingness to just go at you and throw it however many times are necessary. I thought it was a good win. I thought it was a good win. People are going to say, oh, you only beat Maryland by 19. What, dude? What? I don't – what? I thought it was a good win. Bounce back. Forget about that Purdue game. Realize we're still a good team. We got everything to play for. And then you see the clip of Mel – fucking Tucker after the game. We ain't done. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We are not done yet. Gas me up, up, Mel. We are not done yet. You're damn right we're not done yet, Mel. We're not even close. We're not even close to done yet. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I know Ohio State's really good. I know the the pass defense, the defense in general, is going to have to play the game of their lives. We're going to have to get some guys back from injury, right? We're going to have to figure out this pass defense issue. We can't do any more of that bullshit where they just sit back in zone and let the opposing team's quarterback hang there and rip you apart. That can't happen. You can't call a single play. You cannot call a single defensive play on Saturday where the general scheme and concept is to sit back in a zone and just react. That can't happen one single time. You'll get fucking toasted. The one time they did it at the end of the half, Maryland marched down the field in like 30 seconds and scored a touchdown. It was easy mode for Talia. The second, the defense played really well in the first half, held them to seven. That's a great, I don't care who you're playing. That's a great half. The defense played pretty well. And the moment, the moment MSU decided, all right, they only got a minute left, right? Like let's no big plays. Let's just sit back in the zone, keep it in front of us. The moment the philosophy went from being aggressive and blitzing, creating a pass rush, giving different looks, man coverage to all right, no big plays. They only got a minute. Let's hang back. The moment that change was made, Maryland scored without even fucking trying. The moment. It was a terrible end of the half, too. The moment. You can't do that for a single drive, a single play against Ohio State next week. C.J. Stroud's fucking sitting in the Ohio State team meeting room today watching film like, oh, like the dude's busting one thinking about the fact that MSU might sit back in that coverage. We don't get pass rush with four guys against Maryland, against Rutgers, against Indiana. You think, hey, let's send four and drop these guys back, drop the worst pass defense in the country back. You think that's going to work against Ohio State? I hate to break it to you, but it won't. That can't happen. Peyton Thorne was awesome. 
we're going to need that and more from him next week. He's going to have to make some big-time throws. He's going to have to do a little bit of uh, the Talia where he's avoiding pressure, taking off or making a throw, extending plays, fixing broken plays. Thorne was great. The way he played against Maryland Saturday is the worst he can play on Saturday if we have a chance. The worst he can play is what he did against Maryland. We'll probably need more. We'll probably need more a few or a few more long third down throws out of him. A few more, nothing's there, take off, run, make a play from him. A few more, Jaden Reed, you're going to have to put this ball on a dime. We're going to need more of that. Jaden Reed, awesome, by the way. He's NFL wide receiver. He's unfucking real. That slant he caught, great throw by Thorne as well. I don't even under, I still don't really get it. The cornerback's arm was like, in Jaden Reed's belly, and he just snatched it. It was beautiful. He's unbelievable. He's going to have to be great. The, the the injuries, too, like Naylor coming back, Brantley, hopefully, Crouch, hopefully. We are going to need some of these guys back. Kenneth Walker's ankle looked like it was bothering him. That's not good. That's not good. We're going to need him to have a Michigan-type game. I mean, that's really what it comes down to next week. I don't want to do too much next week, but – Kenneth Walker's going to have to have a Michigan-type game. Payne Thorne's going to have to play his best game of the season. And the defense, you're not going to hold the Ohio State to 20 points, probably. You're probably going to give up like a good defensive performance. They probably give up like 28 to the Buckeyes. That's a great defensive performance, too, to be honest. Like, you're not going to win this game 31 to 10. You're going to have to win this game 42-35, 42-38, something like that. It's not – I know Mel Tucker in his presser today said he hates shootouts. They make him want to vomit. <laughs> but you're not going to win a game like that, you, uh, not against Ohio State. I mean, against Purdue this week, they fucking – it looked like they were pl- playing against air. Everybody was open on every single play. The defense is going to have to play the game of their lives – and give up 31, 34, 28, something like that. The game of their lives and still give up in the 30s. The offense is just going to have to outdo them. That's it. That's what it, it's going to come down to. There's no there's no world. There's no reality with this defense, right? The the way MSU they've called defense all year, like their their mentality, the whole bend don't break, that's not going to hold the Ohio, Ohio State Buckeyes to 13 fucking points. It just it's impossibility unless CJ Stroud gets hurt and their backup gets hurt. And then that backup gets hurt. That's just not going to happen. It is what it is. Great win for the dogs. Great win. It was awesome to see them bounce back. Right. Kenneth Walker still sick. I mean, he has to be the Heisman. I think if state, to be honest with you, if state wins one of these next two games and Walker keeps playing the way that he has been, he's got to be the Heisman. He has to be. If they beat Ohio State, he's got to be the Heisman. If they win or if they go to the Big Ten Championship, he's a lock for the Heisman. I mean, we're getting to that point where it's like he's a lock for the top three at this point, I would say. No matter what happens, he's got to be. He's been unbelievable. And especially when you look at so many of the plays he makes, it's not like he's running through gaping holes. Yes, the O-line does some good stuff for him here and there. A lot of the time, it's like, hey, all right, you got a yard, and there's three guys in your face, and he just vanishes and makes it a 10-yard play. He's unfucking believable Jaden Reed's going to need to be great. Jalen Naylor back would be ideal. I, don't, I mean, his hand, he's a wide receiver. It doesn't seem likely. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with Crouch, Brantley, some of those guys defensively. Going to need all hands on deck. 
Going to need all hands on deck. Good win this week, though. Good win. It's good to see Peyton Thorne having those games. I said it. I can't remember which week. Maybe it was Purdue. But I said, like, it's awesome that Kenneth Walker is the best running back and he plays for Michigan State. It's awesome that we can just hand it to him 20 times, 30 times, and good things are going to happen. But at some point, at some point, whether you like it or not, eh, Peyton's going to have to do some stuff. And early on in that game, when Kenneth wasn't really getting going in the first half, it was the Peyton Walker, or Peyton Walker, Peyton Thorn show. Ohio State, unless they're idiots, I mean, I guess I would have said this about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh when they came to town. Ohio State, you got to believe their entire defensive game plan will be, okay, they can't run the ball. If, if Thorne toasts us and they score 42, then so be it. But they do not run the ball tomorrow or on Saturday. That's going to be the Ohio State mentality. Everything they're going to do is going to revolve around not letting Kenneth Walker be the guy to beat them. Maryland did that for most of the game. Kenneth Walker got loose in the second half, but they did a pretty good job of it. Peyton Thorne overcame. He answered the bell. He's like, all right, you want me to beat you? How about I just fucking surgically operate on you guys real quick? We're going to need more of that. We will need more of that, more plays, all of those throws, and then some like the, the margin for error on Saturday is essentially zero. I believe. I believe. I feel good about this team. I think they believe in themselves. I think they feel good about themselves. I like Ohio State 19-point favorites. I like that. Take the pressure off us. Add a little bit of that shit, a little disrespect. Michigan State, we're the seventh-ranked team, I think. They're fourth. We're going to go into their place, 19-point dogs, nobody expecting us to probably even compete in that game. We – like. We still have Kenneth Walker. Peyton Thorne is still having an unbelievable season. Jaden Reed's still one of the best wideouts in the Big Ten. This defense still has playmakers. Crouch, Xavier Henderson. Going to have to show up. Going to have to show up. All right, Michigan, Penn State. Jim Harbaugh with the game, game of his career, the, the win of his career. I mean, honestly, I know he's beaten Michigan State a few times, but – at this point in the season with the stakes that were on the line, if you're Michigan for the second time, the only other time is the JT Barrett spot year. The second time in the Harbaugh era, you're coming down to the last week, two weeks of the season with a very, very real chance at making the big 10, making the playoff with a chance that solely depends on you continuing to win games. You got the big one. You already know Ohio state sitting there waiting. You got that one. You know that's going to be a battle to the death. You know you're going to be the underdogs. You know nobody will expect you to win that game. You know that the, the Big Ten runs through Columbus, even though I think that game's going to be in Ann Arbor. If you lose that game to Penn State Saturday, all of that's out the window. It kills everything. I guess there probably is a way. I mean, the only way they'd make it then is Ohio State loses to Michigan State and then Michigan beats Ohio State. But even then, I think Michigan State would make it. They lose that game Saturday. Big Ten dreams done. College football playoff dreams done. Jim Harbaugh probably done. Jim Harbaugh probably done. And that was shaping up to be a game that we've seen Harbaugh lose fucking so many times. So many times. A game with the stakes going in that you have to win this. If you want a chance, you have to win this. This isn't a Penn State team with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley. This isn't a Penn State team that people are talking about may win the Big Ten. This isn't the cream of the crop of Penn State. 
they're a good team. They're Penn State. They're going to have talented players. That's a game you have to win. That's a game. If they played them in week two, that's a game Michigan has to win. When you play them at this point in the season, you're this close, right? You've done, I mean, beating MSU would have been huge for them. They've done a lot of the work. They're nine and one. You cannot come up short to anybody but Ohio State. And the same thing will go this next week against Maryland, right? Obviously, Maryland not as likely to beat Michigan. Um, I still think they're frisky. Like I said, if Michigan goes into that game with Ohio State on the mind, Maryland's a team that can just come out and beat you. So I, I right, you got to take them seriously. And that still that still applies. If Michigan loses this week to Maryland, Harbaugh's done. People are going to hate the guy. It's going to be fucking chaos within the Michigan fan base. But this Penn State game, more so especially because it's slotted in to the type of game Michigan has lost for so long. Big game, right? Like it's not Michigan State, it's not Ohio State, but it's probably that next tier. It, Penn State is that next tier. Huge game, a little bit of a rivalry just because they're, you know, top of the Big Ten typically. They've had some big games over the Harbaugh era. Penn State, big football school. They believe they have a good team, whatever. James Franklin coaching for either the USC job or to remain at Penn State. You can't come up short in that game. You cannot come up short and then make the Ohio State game irrelevant. I still don't think they'll beat Ohio State. I don't. So, I I mean, you know, at the end of the day, that Penn State game will probably end up not really mattering whether they'd won it or lost it. But just the idea, just the fact that if you lose that, your season's over then and there, as opposed to making the Ohio State game your make or break, you can't have it. And they fucking figured out a way. Credit to Michigan. I thought they were going to lose that game. I thought they were going to lose that game. When they fumbled and then Penn State took the 17-14 lead, I thought they were going to lose that game. It, it was like the Michigan State game. Michigan kind of, you know, they they had the lead most of the game. Penn State's offense couldn't really do shit. And then all of a sudden, Penn State's up three late in the fourth quarter. I mean, it really was out of nowhere. Penn State just, wait a second, these guys are winning? These guys might win this fucking game? How? How? They didn't look like they had a chance. They didn't look like they would have had a chance against Maryland the way Penn State's offense looked. And they figured out a way Michigan did. So good for them. Good for Jim Harbaugh. I still fucking hate the guy, but it was a big win. He had to have it, and they did it. And like I said, I think that means something too. Just the fact, like, I'm not a Michigan fan, but watching that game, you could feel the momentum slipping, the buck- the butthole starting to pucker up, right? When you're that team and you got the pressure on you and you're expected to win and you've got your whole fucking season on the line, right? And you're waiting for Ohio State and you know you can't lose this game and all of a sudden the game takes a turn and you're losing. Buttholes pucker. People start to get a little nervous. Everyone's kind of looking around like, uh-oh, uh-oh, are we going to do this again? Is this about to happen again? Especially when you lost the Michigan State game in a very similar way. Oh, oh no. This doesn't feel like it ended well or it's going to end well. And they figured out a way. Sign of a good team. That's the sign of a good team. I talked about it a lot when Michigan State beat Nebraska. Like, it's ugly, right? It's not like you were putting on a master class. It's not like the committee, you know, it's you didn't blow out Penn State. That's not going to help with the committee. Win's a fucking win. And that's all that matters at this point. It's survive and advance season. November football, you're playing for a Big Ten title. I don't care if you beat Maryland. I don't care if you beat Penn State by 50. I don't care if you beat them by five. 
win the game. Figure out a way, win the game, get the fuck out of there, and worry about the next one. And that's what they did. Michigan's good. I think Michigan's a good team. Um, their downfalls, you know, Cade McNamara, although he played incredible against Michigan State, I didn't think he was great this week against Penn State. He had a, that first touchdown was an absolute laser beam of a throw. But I didn't think Cade was overly impressive. Like, that's a game – if Cade's going to play like that, they play Ohio State, they're getting boat raced. I didn't think he was great. Um, he's been pretty good most of the season, like I've said. Like, he's been a good game manager. Game manager, You run the ball a bunch, you play good defense, and he'll get you across the finish line. You're Like, like I'm saying about Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne played a great game this week against Maryland. Going to Ohio State, you're going to need more. Cade McNamara, he was fine. They got the job done. That throw to Roman Wilson was a dart, right? He made enough plays. He got it to Eric all for the last touchdown. Like he did what he needed to. You want to beat Ohio State? You're it, it's gonna take more. And the other thing, Michigan's defense has been great all year. Very good defense. And I know they held Penn State to what 17. That's a great fucking game. Anytime you hold anybody to 17, you played a good game, let alone Penn State. But dude, Penn State's offense stinks. Sean Clifford, all broadcasts, they were like, man, where would this be? Where would this team be without Clifford? He's he he just brings so much to the offense. He makes so many plays. I'm sitting there like, what? We're talking about the same guy. This dude is not fucking good. This offense is not good at all. I know that the defense played well for Michigan. I know they held them to 17. Ohio State, it's not Sean Clifford and Penn State. They they will expose that defense. They will. Like, especially in that fourth quarter, you're letting Penn State march down the field and get the two-point that's not going to fly against some of these teams, right? Same deal as MSU. That pass defense, letting Talia fucking escape the pocket and make plays, that's not going to fly. Both teams, they're exactly where they want to be, right? They're 9-1. and one. They got everything in front of them. Their, their birth, their playoff dreams purely relies on how they play. But there are things, even though they're both good teams, even though they've both won a lot of games, even though they're both in a great position, there are both teams and they're both things about each team where it's like, dude, that's like, it's working and it's worked this year, which is great. But there are a few teams in the country, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, where you need to bring your a plus 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 game, your B plus your a minus game, right? Your B game that works on Maryland. It will get you fucking slaughtered by Ohio state. Your B game that wins you the game at Penn state will get you slaughtered at Ohio State. You need to play the best game of football you've played all year. Your quarterback needs to have an incredible game. Your defense has to have an incredible game. That I mean, that it just is what it is. You have to play the best game you've played this season. I don't know what Oregon did. If I was Mel Tucker, if I'm fucking Harbaugh for the Ohio State game, I am memorizing play-by-play play that Oregon-Ohio State game, figuring out how they stopped the Ohio State offense enough to get that dub. Because it's going to take everything. It's going to take fucking everything. I'm excited, though. I'm happy to see both these teams still here. It's fun. College football is so much more fun when your team is winning. And being a Michigan State fan, living in Michigan, college football is so much more fun when both of them are good. College sports are better when both of them are good. I'm happy they're both here, 9-1, and one, right? I mean, I guess 
I wanted Penn State to beat Michigan, but whatever. It's cool that they're both here. I'm excited to see what happens this coming week. We'll get into that more on Thursday, but great wins for both teams. Good bounce back for State. Great job. Kind of a mid-game bounce back for Michigan. A game that you felt started to slip. A game that we've seen this movie, and it's fucking sad and pathetic and leads to jokes and, and firings and all that shit. We've seen it. We've seen it with this Jim Harbaugh guy a lot. We just saw it on Halloween, and they figured out a way. They turned it around. They did not let it slip when they absolutely couldn't, and they got a win. Good win for both teams. Thursday's going to be a doozy, man. Michigan State, we're gonna, it's just Ohio State. How do we beat them? What, like, what do we have to do? It's going to be a doozy. We'll dive in Thursday. All right, that's all I got today. Hope everybody enjoyed. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope your week's off to a nice start. Get after it today, right? Let's do something something productive. Um, Like I said, we'll be back Thursday. Hopefully by then, the Detroit Tigers have signed Carlos Correa. Rumor on the street. I saw a thing today. Some MLB MLB insider said, quote unquote, Carlos Correa to the Tigers is a done deal. Hasn't nothing's happened since I just saw that it's a rumor. They just signed Eduardo Rodriguez. Great signing for the pitching staff. If they're signing Rodriguez and they've got Tucker Barnhart and they know their most glaring need is a shortstop and we're being linked to Correa. Tigers are going for it. The Tigers are fucking tired of losing. I can't wait. I hope I got some good news to report on Thursday until then. Appreciate all the support. Appreciate everyone who listens and shares. Hope you guys enjoyed. I'll talk to you Thursday. Oh, 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 oh,